0: Welcome to the Pelicans series one sweep of the Portland Trailblazers. I'm your host Preston Ellis, and we do not have much time to celebrate. We're going to do some of it with Luis Corso of at Pelicans Reddit and Locked On Pelicans, uh, and then we're going to turn our focus to the Golden State Warriors. Here to help us do that, we also are going to have a special guest, Daniel Hardy of at GoldenStateMind.com, and uh, we're we're going to listen to our good buddy Steve DeWald uh, of the Portland Trailblazers cry a good bit. But first, let's talk to Luis. Welcome to the show, man. How how are you feeling right now uh, I'm feeling amazing I tried to find my
2: brooms and I couldn't find them all
1: I'm Scott Trout CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. we help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce such as child custody and property division among many others but life changes also occur after divorce These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow if you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary talk to us at Cordell and Cordell We're a partner. Men can count on.
0: Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
2: Well, I apparently took a picture of them earlier, but uh, <laughs> this is great. This is beyond everything that I think we all expected. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, a, a, a seed of... Three against six, a lot of people, 22 ESPN panelists had the Pelicans losing this one. Of course, four-zero sweep after game one and game two, that shellacking in game three and game four. We were nervous. The Pelicans led pretty much with the, uh, throughout. I think it took something like a combined 90-something points. Uh, I think 47 and 41 from Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. Both career and season, uh, or playoff highs, I should say, were also joined. Let's first introduce Steve DeWald of BlazersEdge.com, an unceremonious exit to the playoffs here. What is your reaction to this one? CJ McCollum had an incredible game. Al Farouk Amino had to be a playoff high. These guys battled all night long in a game when they could have mailed it in. They didn't. What What is your reaction? Are you leaving with your head held high? Um, I think this is the game that I was hoping to see in game three. Um, a
3: little too late this I think this was the game that I expected CJ or thought CJ McCollum was going to have to have for the Blazers to have a chance in this or to win this series um, you know it it was a little too late I, th- I think this might save some people's jobs in the offseason but still this is this is so disappointing in this series and it's just you know outside of some Clippers injuries in 2015 and Lillard shot Uh, The year prior or two years prior to that I mean this is a team that cannot get out of the first round and my hats off to drew holiday if uh, if you if casual fans don't know about him didn't know about him going into this they certainly know about him now I mean that guy is a momentum killer for teams trying to get back into games.
0: Yeah, 41 points and eight assists. He also had uh, seven or eight turnovers in this one, but he shot 15 of 23. Was spectacular when it mattered most. I can't remember exactly what it was. Something like 28 points in the second half. Before we get to series MVP, let's go back to Luis. Let's talk about just this game specifically. Of course, 47 and 11 from Anthony Davis, 41 and eight from Drew Holiday. While CJ did explode on the night, Damian Lillard still another very quiet game. Just seven of 16, 19 points and an overall negative seven rating. And, of course, you've got Rajan Rondo and Nikola Miritich, uh, solid as always. Meritich only 10 points after his 30-point breakout in Game 3. But with that being said, he had three critical rejections of Yusuf Nurkic. He had those two steals, shot really well, four of eight. Of course, Rajan Rondo did Rajan Rondo things, 16 assists, seven rebounds. Uh, hand out some accolades for us, Luis.
2: Um. First of all, like, I wanted to talk about uh, Aminu from the Trailblazers. Uh, look, we had him here. We liked Aminu, and when he left, we didn't really think anything much of it. And, like, tonight was the game. They've been trying to let him basically punish them, and tonight was probably the game. Like, finally, he stood out and was and was dropping shots. It was amazing. Uh, he looked great. Uh, I want to at least mention him and make sure he gets some sort of accolade here tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely. With that being said, uh, he he was the lottery player that we got from the Los Angeles Clippers. It never really worked out. I think he signed a four-year, $28 million deal with the Blazers. Uh, Steve will know a bit better than that. Before we get into it, talk about Aminu's production. And then we're going to go over to some of those uh, officiating things that happened in the first half. Something like five technicals, as well as a flagrant foul. This one was chippy. These guys came in here with a lot of pride. They were going to try to fight it out, and they did. First, let's start with Aminu, and then we'll get to that, Steve.
3: Um, as far as Emilio goes, uh, he's had a game like this before in the playoffs. Uh, similar thing when the Clippers were really pressuring Portland in that first round series in 2015. He had a couple games where he really lit it up from outside. Um, the thing, the thing about Chief is, is he, uh, he's not a guy you're really going to want to trust and run your offense through. I mean, that shot is ugly. Yes, it goes in, but it is, it is not a thing of beauty by any means. Um, I think that the, the way you defend him is you have to make him make decisions. I think he's still a little sloppy when he has to put the ball on the floor and make a quick decision. And that's when, I mean, I think every blazer fan, you know, buckles up whenever he drives. Um, that being said, he's, he's done a great deal. I mean, it was a four year, $28 million deal that was kind of laughed at when it was first signed, but it is one of a very few good deals that Neil Lachey has, has signed a player to since in the last couple of years. Um, it was heavily front-loaded, so now he's—I mean, he's playing for under seven million dollars a year. So it's one of those few decent contracts and potentially a trade piece because I think there is uh, there's some big changes coming to Portland this summer, especially after this this really forgettable playoff series.
0: For yeah, Portland definitely. fans. A lot of questions that Damian Lillard's going to have to face the way that C.J. McCollum played tonight. Uh, He certainly could not be stopped in 45 minutes, 15 of 22, 38 points. Uh, Before we get uh, more of the fourth quarter heroics of Drew Holliday and Anthony Davis, I do briefly want to touch on uh, some of the physicality and some of the chippiness that was happening in the second quarter, Luis. Uh, Five technical fouls, uh, one flagrant foul, including a a pretty dangerous foul, C.J. McCollum wrapping up uh, Etwan Moore on his way to the hoop, and Etwan Moore took exception to it, and then after that, you had Rajan Rondo headbutting Yusuf Nurkic. What was your reaction to seeing all this? Were, were you ever afraid that one of these Pelicans were gonna take it too far, get ejected, and maybe send this one back to Portland? I, I think you always worry. Like once Anthony Davis gets attacked, you're like, ah, because you know they're gonna start targeting him.
2: And it looked like it was for a while. And then it just kind of exploded and everybody was chippy at that from like from then on, instead of just being focused on Anthony Davis. And uh, like you never want to see the the dangerous play from CJ McCollum, but I mean it happens. It's frustrations happen I get it uh the Rajan Rondo one was the sneaky one we actually thought like I, I thought at first that uh Rondo had just gotten away with it and that would have been funny to see but of course you see you clearly see him headbutt uh Collins in the chest and he gets his own technical and it's just it was chippy from then on and then after that you know halftime happens and it seemed to like at least calm down a little bit
0: now, you don't have any fears going into the next series with Golden State that the NBA uh, League office might take a look at that headbutt and kind of kind of ponder what kind of ruling. You think it might just be a fine, and that's the extent of it? Oh, I think a fine at worst, probably. I, I can't
2: say anything worse than that.
0: Cool. Let's go back to Steve. Uh the, the Portland Trailblazers had the 19th slowest pace in the NBA this game. And uh both teams kind of just blew the roof off uh in terms of scoring 131 to 123, 117 points coming from the Trailblazers starters. This on just 79 shots by the Pelicans and 95 from Portland. They were 50 of 95 on the night. Are you surprised by uh I know that the Blazers can play this type of game, but are you surprised this is what took place tonight? I think it's it's kind of what had to happen I think that them digging
3: themselves in a hole in the third in the third quarter pushed the pace for the rest of the way out and like I mentioned on the last podcast I was on is I mean the Pelicans are quicksand you get you give them a lead and you're going to start playing the type of basketball that they want to play I mean Portland's played this style of basketball before but it's certainly not what you know if you're trying to run an offense with Yusuf Nurkic in it you are not going to be wanting to run the floor like that and it's And also missing Maurice Harkless, too, in this game, who's one of the better transition players for Portland. It is surprising how many points they put up and and fairly efficiently in doing so um, without one of their better transition guys in there.
0: Yeah, at the end of the half, it was 58 to 56, which is a little bit quicker than these two teams have been playing. But they're in the third quarter. The Pelicans set a franchise record with 42 points. Uh, They've been really electric in the third quarter, making the right kind of adjustments when they need to either that or drew holiday and Anthony Davis just kind of put their, their foots on the pedals at this one uh, 31 points from the blazers in that stanza. They weren't quiet either. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about series MVP. Luis uh, I'll I'll pull up some of the averages, but Anthony Davis has got to be somewhere around his standard, like 32 and 12. He was heading into this one at 28 and 11. Obviously uh, drew holiday had that 33 point game two performance to go along with this 41 point uh performance tonight you had nico with 30 in game three rajon rondo has been steady all series long do you give the mvp to drew holiday or anthony davis
2: i want to give it to drew because of the we, we we've all seen the sort of the defense on the other side and you've seen like basically has been able to neutralize uh portland's two guards who honestly were probably the scariest part about this matchup considering he was going against they were going against rondo and drew Uh, And the fact that they were basically held down until this game
0: with uh, CJ McCollum, uh, I, I don't see how you don't give it to Drew. Wow, let's go over to Steve from uh, the face of the enemy playing against these two guys. What what is it like watching these two guys uh, night in, night out? I know how it feels watching somebody like Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, even when the Pelicans get out to a 10-15 point lead, I never quite feel safe. Those kind of players are scary as hell. And I'm thinking, of course, about the opening weekend game that the where the Pelicans had some kind of 10-point lead, ended up losing somewhere around 128 to 120 at the final, and they went on some kind of crazy run in just the blink of an eye when you when you face off with these two guys who scares you more
3: well i mean i i think you know that anthony davis is a threat at all times and i think portland's plan really and how they play defense throughout the year is let the star get his points within reason and try to keep you know the 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 role players under control and Drew Holiday was, has been astonishing in this series. Like I I knew he was good. I knew he was underrated and I knew that his defense wasn't getting the credit it deserved, but I mean he took I mean Damien Lillard is super lucky that they vote on the the NBA teams before the playoffs because this was not a good look and he he was completely shut down and then the the thing about Holiday was is he had a lot, yes, he put up great numbers, but his points were in huge moments. Like I felt, and I've wrote about it throughout the series, is every time Portland kind of started to string together shots, it was holiday coming down and either getting to the basket or getting a shot from deep that that was you know just would crush the momentum. And the other thing too is I think Rajon Rondo deserves some credit. I mean, he's had he had two games where I mean he had over 15 assists. I think it was just two games. And I mean he's been consistent the whole throughout the, the first four games and I I think he's just he completely read what Portland was trying to do on both ends and was a complete thorn in their side and I mean I knew Anthony Davis was going to be a problem but I did think Aminu was going to play be able to neutralize him a little bit but he I mean that guy is unreal
0: I mean to no surprise let me ask you a follow-up question before I get back to Luis uh obviously the 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 Golden State Warriors have similar players in the mold of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. And ultimately, we don't know how much of Steph Curry we're gonna see. Should the should the Warriors manage to sweep tomorrow, I think the game's somewhere around 3 p.m. So we should know pretty soon whenever this series is gonna take place. But with that being said, would you expect the Pelicans to be able to match the defensive intensity against the backcourt of the Warriors the way that they did against the Blazers?
3: I I think the the problem that the Warriors present. The, the, the Blazers cannot is Draymond Green because Draymond Green is is that ball handler that can run like if you try to trap Steph Curry and they get the ball to Draymond Green and he's moving downhill, he will kill you on three on two matchups and I, I just feel like that that's really the X factor I think Klay Thompson having a little more size, I don't think he's as susceptible as being shut down as, as CJ McCollum can be in certain situations but I think this if, if I this is how out of the loop I am. I'm assuming Steph Curry is going to play, but um, or or Quinn Cook. But I think uh, I think the the real key there is Draymond Green and how well he's going to be able to kind of be that safety valve for their offense if the Pelicans roll out the same type of defensive pressure in the in the next series.
0: Just for our listeners, Steph Curry had his first uh, shoot around and, and full practice, although he didn't play five on five. He was involved in most of the drills yesterday. And should they win tomorrow against San Antonio, which you'd have to expect that they would, the series would would start somewhere around April 29th. So that gives him an additional week. And if he misses the first game or two, that could be as long as two potential weeks. Let's go back to Luis. And uh, obviously, a lot of stuff in the fourth quarter to talk, to talk about. The Blazers kept pulling within uh, one point. At one point, they never quite took the lead but Yusuf Nurkic was dangerous. CJ M- C. McCollum was hitting seemingly everything. Dame hit a really tough contested shot over Anthony Davis. Were you ever worried at any point, especially uh, let's go back to Drew Holiday's missed free throws, his uh, turnover late that went to Al Farouk Aminu's easy uh, transition basket. Were you ever worried that the Blazers were going to come out on top?
2: Oh, of course. Uh, like we knew that this was going to be a fight and that they weren't going to go down if it ever got close. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like game one where like, it was nice to be up for a little bit, but then like game one, it started to get closer and closer and you feel it creeping and like, that didn't feel great, even though they ended up winning. And obviously the series went a different way after game one, but it definitely reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, there's so much to unpack here and there was so much stress i don't don't know about you but i came into this game feeling confident i didn't expect another game one game two i thought if the pelicans could get out to a comfortable run early on they never quite did uh the after the first quarter it was a one point game the second quarter it was a two point game the third quarter was a bit more comfortable but the fourth quarter like we said uh just back and forth all night long and i do want to touch on the pelicans bench because that's something we're going to have to address strongly going against golden state but before we do that each one more i thought had a quietly impressive game tonight, Luis, of course, to go along with that chippiness right after that uh, transaction of, of fouls and technicals and flagrants. He comes off a double team and hits a high floater mm-hmm. over two mm-hmm. defenders. I can't remember what it was uh, exactly who was defending him. He was a very quiet five of 10, wasn't asked to do too much offensively in this series, but gave defense when it mattered. Talk about his performance tonight.
2: I think we all know that sort of uh, that's exactly what you want from each one. You want him to hit, be able to hit his shots and at least be a threat and nobody's expecting him to shoot a floater over a double team. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but that's what I mean, it's hard to say that we wanted more from him, but that's sorry. Uh, <laughs>
0: No, no worries at all. each one more uh, very quiet in this one. The uh, as are very quiet in this series, I should say uh, he scored over 20 points. I, I want to say somewhere around eight times this regular season, but uh, had a very heavy part in some of the defensive CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard on this series. Definitely want to address him as well as the other guys. Steve, thank you, my friend. This is Steve DeWald. You can follow him at Steve D hoops and at Blazers edge. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and preview the Warriors for us. I know that you guys have been friends of ours throughout this entire series, and we appreciate all the time you've been given to us, and uh, we just got a note of confidence from Blazers Edge on uh, Twitter, just wishing us the best of luck. Give us a quick prediction for Golden State uh, Pelicans before we get into this with Daniel Hardy.
3: I, I think the, the key is is this. I don't think this series is not going to be a quick one, and I think you're going to have to address playing guys Drew, like Drew Holiday, Nikola Mirotic, and Anthony Davis. You know, thirty eight minutes plus. For, for an extended amount of time. Now this week off is going to to do wonders for that. And you know, if I'm you guys, I'm I'm definitely rooting for the Spurs to extend this series because I mean, you the time is on your guys' side, or or you want it to be. And uh, I I think there's going to be problems that that Golden State is going to present that that obviously the Blazers were not able to. I think the the thing that is nice for for what I would hang my hat on for the Pelicans is you don't have to worry about Drew Holiday. And like that's that's something that not a lot of the teams can say when they face the the Warriors is I think you're comfortable with with him guarding in one-on-one matchups, you know, whoever he's guarding, whether it's Clay Thompson, whether it's Steph Curry or or, you know, even I could even see him lining up, you know, occasionally if it if the switch works right, where he's got Kevin Durant on the perimeter with his wingspan I I don't think it's a huge issue and that's huge and then Anthony Davis just can't let Draymond Green get to him and I think I think it, I think this series is going to be super competitive and I I was I was stunned to listen on the national radio on my way to work the other day about how they're already just completely discounting New Orleans chances against against Golden State of you know five game series at best and it's you know, fool me once, but I, I think I would be a lot more cautious of, of doubting this this Pelicans team. I'm I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with Alvin Gentry. He's someone who I, you know, had reservations about his coaching ability. And, I mean, I didn't think he was a bad coach, but I didn't think he was, you know, one of the better coaches in the league. So, I, I definitely have a lot of respect. I mean, he, he had the perfect game plan for the Blazers. And, you know, hopefully he has something lined up for Golden State, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. A lot of credit also needs to go to Darren Ehrman and Chris Finch. Uh, Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo both called out Darren Ehrman for some of the great uh, quality he had in his homework and putting this game plan together and have to think he's going to be on the short list of a couple of NBA teams. I think there are five right now that have openings and a lot of them are going to want to talk to him if and when the Pelican season should end. Steve? Thank you for your time sir. We will definitely be reaching out to you in the off season when we get back to our to our previews. And uh for now, uh enjoy it. I will see you with Summer League sir. All right, I will see you in Vegas. All right, let's keep this going. We're going to go back to Luis, but we also have Daniel Hardy who has been patiently waiting. Thank you so much sir. He is a contributor for Unstoppable Baby. You can follow him at original GBK and of course Unstoppable mm-hmm. Baby is Golden State of Minds SB Nation affiliate. Daniel, how are you sir?
4: First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, second of all, uh, shout out to Alvin Gentry, former Warriors assistant coach, who kind of installed um, our super quick offense there. And uh, wow, brooms to Dame and CJ. I did not predict that. How does it feel to be in the
0: second round? It feels absolutely insane. We're also joined, of course, by Luis Corzo. You can follow him at Pelicans Reddit. Let's get a bit of a reaction in general. What was your pick going into this series? And what's your reaction seeing the Pelicans sweep at Luis? So I,
2: I was one of the... Uh, people that was Portland and seven Uh, it's the game. i expected it to be a lot closer than it was. So in those situations, you know, usually home court advantage helps to seal it. And it's really hard to not be, like I said earlier, it's really hard to not be surprised.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I was expecting this level of performance from Anthony Davis. I thought he single-handedly was going to take us to seven games. Of course, nobody could plan for what Drew Holiday was going to put out there. Nikola Meretic, other than the five games heading into the playoffs, there was no way to tell just how staggering he would be, not just in game three, how efficient he'd be in the other three games, and how incredible he'd be defensively taking over that DeMarcus Cousins role. We we had a glimpse of that, and I'll throw this over to you, Daniel Hardy, in a second. Uh as as soon as he shaved his beard not only was he inserted inserted into the starting lineup he kind of took over that boogie role took boogies minutes uh bodied up against centers a lot using a lot of his time down low being physical and that's something that helped the pelicans get out and transition score all that sort of stuff took their defense to the next level and that's something that the warriors are going to have to face off with before we start talking about the warriors daniel just give us a, a, a little bit of an expert's view into the health right now of kevin durant i saw his ankle turnover sideways as well as steph curry who just came back to practice Yesterday, What is the health and status of those two right now?
4: Well, we got, um, of course, Steph getting his first uh, official practice time in today. Uh, from what we heard from uh, Marcus Thompson, Steph Curry, about game three of uh, round two, of course, depending on um, how uh, it's going burst. Um, but definitely game three about, hopefully comes back a little earlier. Of course, you never want to rush that. And Kevin Durant, he's doing just fine. Uh, He practiced today as well as Deshaun Livingston. They're both doing pretty good. Obviously, we don't want the uh, Spurs uh, Spurs series to linger too long, so uh, Kevin Durant will be out there.
0: Uh, In your expert opinion, or just based on what you've been hearing, of course, if the Pelicans uh, and the Warriors should both sweep their respective uh, adversaries in in, uh, the first series, This uh, second series would take place a little bit sooner than it's uh, projected to right now, somewhere around the April 29th, April 30th mark, where most of the other series will take place somewhere around May 1st and May 2nd. Are you kind of hoping that uh, this series with the Spurs might linger a little bit more just so you can have Steph Curry back for the start of the second series? Are you not too concerned with that?
4: Oh, well, I mean, you never want to give a team life at all, especially a team that has uh, so much um, going on emotionally right now with the passing of uh, Spurs head coach uh, Greg Popovich's wife, Erin. Um, anytime you give them any uh, extra room to breathe, they're going to take it. And you never know. We've been up 3-1 and not gone so well. So let's make it 4-0 as soon as possible. Of course, uh, you would love to have Steph back ASAP, but at the same time, um, we still have three other All-Stars. And if you can't win a second-round playoff game with three All-Stars on the bench we have in our home court advantage, I, I don't think you deserve to chase the championship.
0: Elise, the Pelicans enjoyed success against the Warriors for the first time in quite a while, uh, just about two weeks ago in that pivotal game on Saturday. However, that was following a, a thumping at the hands of the Pacers, and they just kind of went in uh, with their tails between their legs to the postseason. It was very clear that these guys kind of had checked out at that point. They didn't play a meaningful minute of basketball for somewhere around the, the last three to four weeks of the season. They were separated from the from the Rockets and by the Blazers by, I want to say, something like 14 points, eight behind the Rockets and six ahead of the Blazers. So there wasn't a whole lot to play for. With that being said, do you think that victory gives the Pelicans confidence heading into this matchup? I don't
2: know if it should, but I think it's hard to not, it's hard to not pull something from that victory just because it was on their floor. It didn't look, you know, we kind of, that was kind of the game that was marked. We heard that they were like, that they wanted that win because they they've been limping around and you know this would have been a nice win against a team that was kind of on the rise and fighting for a playoff spot. It it would have been a nice win for the Warriors and we all knew that and we kind of all expected it and it didn't happen and the Pelicans, you know, it's a big part of why they were able to get in.
0: Let's go back to Daniel. Uh, ever since the, the playoff started, a game hasn't been closer than 13 points. The Warriors have been pretty decisive in their three victories, even without Steph Curry. However, on the year as a whole, just 58 wins. Uh, it seems like for a large portion of this season, the Warriors were just waiting to get back to the postseason. And Steve Kerr has even been pretty frank about that. It's, it's hard to keep guys invested when they've played such elongated seasons three years in a row, now approaching their fourth year in a row. Is, is there any concern in your mind the Warriors might kind of flame out here early on in the playoffs, or do you think they're just uh, getting dialed back in?
4: No, I think they're totally dialed in. I think what you saw was um, to senioritis. You know, you're so ready to move on and get the next thing going that the motivation just wasn't there. I mean, if you look at after the All-Star break, we were killing as usual, um, but then Steph got hurt, and then Clay gets hurt, Katie gets hurt, and at that point it's like, we can't get the first seed. Let's kind of slow it down there. And of course you want to um, play well um, and get some wins there and keep a winning um, kind of spirit about you. But we've already won two out of three championships. We know how to win. Some teams don't know how to win and we've proven that we can. So at that point, once you know what you're doing, it's kind of like the, the, the motivation isn't there with the playoffs. The motivation is right back in there because we're fighting for a championship. We're all together for it. So I think you can tell the Spurs litmus test. If there was ever going to be a team why is not there? Um, we're a heavy favorite over them. If there ever a team would take a chance on and slip on, it would be the Spurs. And I think you can see we're pretty lights out on them right now, um, even though they're um, fighting hard. So I don't think um, they're going to show any kind of slippage, and especially against the Pelicans, where you got Davis who's an MVP candidate. You know that's going to you know wake up KD. And then you got Drew Holiday and John Rondo, who just like damn near crucified the Portland Trailblazers. I'm pretty sure Clay Thompson and Steph are going to be up for that, too. And of course, Rondo gets under everybody's game. So uh, we'll be up for that game.
0: Now, Luis, let's talk about some of the mismatches and the matchups going into this one. Uh, the The most previous matchup, we. We thought that Anthony Davis would be matched up with Kevin Durant just because they have the same level of athleticism, similar size, that sort of stuff. Both of them can can go out to the perimeter and both of them can both uh, smash down in the paint. With that being said, Drew Holiday got the assignment for much of the game. And Anthony Davis kind of did his free safety thing where he uh, was a, a principal shot blocker, kind of roaming the paint and help defending where he could. Would you see that as being the principal matchup again going into this one?
2: I think I'd like to, just because Drew Holiday is on this role, but I think it all
0: changes depending on how, like whether or not Steph Curry is in. Yeah, definitely. That's a good take. Uh, I'm I'm still expecting not to see him until at least game three or so, but I didn't even take that into account. I was just thinking about Quinn Cook uh, in game one, and Quinn Cook took such advantage of Rajon Rondo, and he had difficulty being out on the floor until Andre Iguodala was inserted uh, early, in, or I should say midway through the first quarter and that off offered him a place to hide, something that he was very successful doing in this matchup against Evan Turner. Would you look for the Warriors to try to take advantage of Rajon Rondo singling him out, looking for, uh, I don't know, mismatches and that sort of stuff, uh, Daniel Hardy? Um,
4: When you say mismatch, you mean like...
0: Uh, getting out on switches, setting picks, uh, and altering defenders to... To try to get guys like Quinn Cook, uh, a quicker defender who can sort of get around Rajon Rondo, or even a Kevin Durant, somebody who can back him down and shoot right over him, is there anyone particular on the Pelicans team that you think the Warriors will come out and principally target?
4: Well, uh, with Rondo there, um, that's an interesting question because although he's kind of uh, small, um, the dude is a defensive savant when he's locked in. I don't think you can really take advantage of him anyway. I mean, the, the guy really, really has a, a penchant for uh, picking pockets. At um, crucial times, so you can ask Damon, PJ, about that. In addition, the last game we played, we, we, we got the switch. We had KD, who had 41 at the time, posting at Rondo, and Rondo flat out took the ball from him. Like, I don't think we, we can pick him, Rondo. He, he's a great defender when he's engaged. Um, what I think Rondo's weakness is, is that he will lose focus if he's uh, off the ball. He may lose uh, sight behind some of those screens. Maybe, you know, Clay or Quinn Cook's come on something, and he has shown a, a propensity to ball watch. Um, but if anyone I think might be in trouble, it's probably going to be a guy like Etuan Moore. Um, mm. The guy is obviously a savvy player. He went seven for seven against offensively, offensively uh, with seven dimes. I think he played against us. So he's obviously a, um, offensively a, a tricky matchup for us. But defensively, There's no way he's going to be able to guard Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson. Um, He just doesn't have the motor that Rondo and Holiday do. And also, I don't think he has the physical stature as a bigger guy than those two to take on um, those wing players. So I'm pretty sure Etuan Moore is going to be um, having his hands full.
0: Yeah, and we definitely thought going into the last matchup that Drew Holiday was going to be matched up on Clay Thompson and Etwan Moore on Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook did take advantage of Rajon Rondo, and that's why I'm bringing that up. In the first quarter, he had 15 points on him. I think three of those were threes, but he took him off the dribble a couple times as well. And then as soon as they switched Etwan Moore and Ian Clark onto Quinn Cook, he quieted down and didn't contribute much for the rest of the game. Let's go back to Luis. Let's talk about some matchups that you're going to keep your eyes on.
2: Um, I With what Clay Thompson's been sort of doing, Sorry, I had the sound on. Uh, with what Clay Thompson has been doing, uh, it's really hard to not be scared about his efficiency and see who's kind of matched up on him. Uh, I think Kevon Looney, honestly, can do a little bit of damage when he's in the on the court. Uh, it's just it. Golden State, the reason why they've been so good. I mean, we all know that they have a lot of weapons on the court, and playing against them, it's just going to be tough and try to figure out to try to figure out which matchup is probably best for the Pelicans. I expect it to. Uh, you know get dragged out in the first game at least a lot of experimentation uh it's just
0: it's daunting if anything Luis I'm assuming that this question is from your brother Nicholas it says is it tough to (laughs) not be a contrarian and enjoy the Pelicans
2: it is absolutely from my brother uh (laughs) yes yes it is tough to be a contrarian
0: and enjoy the Pelicans and Adam Cubido, I hope I'm saying that right. He says, "Is this real life? I never imagined that we'd get here." Uh as soon as DeMarcus Cousins went down, uh we quickly came out 1 and 5. I was very hopeful in that matchup against the, uh, the Clippers whenever Blake Griffin hit that dagger contested three with something like 30 seconds left. After that game and the next dropping four the next five, I definitely thought that was all she wrote. I knew that the Pelicans were going to be engaged with the trade deadline, but I just didn't think there was anything meaningful that the Pelicans could get back that could create a run like this i think the pelicans finished the season 20 and 7 and now have won four in a row in the playoffs they are the hottest team in the nba right now nine games straight i don't think there's any way that anybody could have predicted that let's uh check out a couple more questions we answered one from let's see uh something about how do you match up with kevin durant where was that i'll find it in a second Kebleton pack says what about those 22 nba espn experts, Louise? So my thing with that is I
2: I throw out the ones that are kind of like, you know, Portland and seven. And after that, I, I, I don't get mad about that. Like, I don't care. Like, this is what we all kind of live for. Like, we love New Orleans. We love to be the underdogs. Like, this is fun. We'll shove it in everybody's faces. We'll talk. It's great. It's fine.
0: All right. This one is also from Adam, Adam Cubido. Sorry. You can follow him at the do or the Dukes. I don't know. <laughs> Falling <laughs> apart here. Uh, let's go back to Daniel with this question. He says, what is the expectation with defending KD and if, and when Steph plays, how does it change? That's something we kind of just an- answered with true holiday being matched up potentially with Kevin Durant. But as that shifts, Steph Curry will probably get that assignment. And then you'd have to think that at that point, some version of Nikola Meritich and Anthony Davis will body up on Kevin Durant. Who do you assume is going to take on the mantle of guarding AD, Daniel?
4: Good question. Uh, we uh, actually didn't play Zaza Pachulia or uh, JaVale McGee at all. Uh, so basically, um, I think that we pretty much figured out that we want to say super athletic against Anthony Davis, because obviously he's a monster, and Kevon Looney is showing a lot of strides there. So I'm assuming... He'll probably draw the primary um, assignment there. He's super long, uh, moves his feet well, and he's intelligent enough to manage those switches that when you got a pick and roll with Drew or Rondo with Anthony Davis, it's just terrifying to figure out how you're going to stay with uh, those two. Um, Looney has the foot speed to uh, get out there on the switches on the little guard, but also uh, has a bit of the physicality to deal with Anthony Davis, you know, good luck with that. Um, but ultimately in the fourth quarter, it's going to come down to Draymond Green, Anthony Davis, for sure. Like that's our defensive player of the year. That's the guy who goes our big men. And uh, when the ball's, you know, in crunch time, it's going to be Draymond versus Anthony Davis.
0: So we're going to have to expect another big series from Anthony Davis, our superstar and potential MVP candidate. This one is from Berlin Pelican. I'm going to throw this to Luis. He says, any ideas if there is something similar to the traps against the Lillard, the Pels can do against the Warriors guards. And this is why this is interesting to me. I was talking to Stephen DeWald and David McKay of Blazers Edge a couple of games ago, and they said why the Blazers had such difficulty with traps and the double teams the Pelicans were throwing at them was because they didn't have another primary ball handler in the post that could really alleviate some of that stress like they needed Evan Turner to produce more they needed Yusuf Nurkic to do more and neither of those guys could really shoulder the offensive load much in the way that Kevin Durant can so do you think the Pelicans will still try to ensnare Steph Curry and Klay Thompson uh, a bit and make KD beat them or do you think they take a different approach I I think they have to take a different approach because I mean even with Kevin Durant I think it was said
2: earlier that you know with Draymond Green's playmaking ability like that's that person like I trust Draymond Green more than Evan Turner by a lot of measures let's just say that like i i don't see how the trappings is going to work as well but it would be it would be it'll be interesting to see
0: Let's throw this over to Daniel. I know that Draymond's had a quieter year uh, than he has in previous years. Still an All Star, uh, but he's getting a lot of flack from national media for not shooting as well this year as he has in years past. I remember it was two years ago in the finals against the the Cavs. I want to say it was Game Seven when he had some incredible stat line of like thirty six points, and he was the best player on the floor that night, at least for the Warriors. What has he been like this year?
4: We don't necessarily want Draymond taking over too many shots because we, Hall of Fame. So again, his job is really just to get them the ball and help them uh look good and then when he gets open he can knock down shots. So I don't think we've ever really worried about draft uh, offense. Um, it'll come when we need it.
0: Uh, let's go back to Luis. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. This has been a good, uh, joyous celebration. We had some new guests on here. We had our old buddy Steve, uh, Blazers Edge. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Luis Corso. Of course, you can follow him at Pelicans Reddit, and he also contributes for Lockdown Pelicans. Give us a prediction. We're definitely going to talk about this much more in depth in the coming days. We'll have Ali and Kevin and uh, maybe some more guests from Golden State. But for now, why don't you tell us what you anticipate happening in the next couple of weeks, I, it's so hard to like
2: want to go against to to go against these Pelicans right now, especially after you know the sweep that we we just saw. I want to give them a couple of games, so I have to go Golden State in six. But I don't even know how much I. That's just pure elation that I feel right now for the win. Uh, I I think it's gonna be hard fought series. I think they've got a lot of things. They're not they're not Portland, right? They're not two guys that you have to really worry about. They are a lot more. There's four guys that I can think of that I do not particularly want to see the Pelicans match up against. And then after that, you know, even somebody like Andre Godala is a smart, savvy, their own version of Rondo who can do who can defend anybody who is smart enough to be on the floor at all times, even if his athleticism isn't where it was. Uh, I'm just not I don't feel as comfortable by that series as I do coming into this one.
0: I feel a lot more comfortable than I did just a few weeks ago. And that has a lot to do with the health and status of Steph Curry. But I, th- I think Draymond Green hasn't been particularly electric offensively. They're going to make Andre Iguodala beat them much as they did two weeks ago. They're going to kind of give him the Al Farouk Aminu treatment. And then you've just got Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. And we've seen what Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson can do against the Pelicans. But with that being said, I, I think they're, I don't want to say beatable, but uh, vulnerable is, is a better way of putting mm-hmm. it. I agree, the- I-, I agree with that. I agree with that. The Warriors are going to need a lot of production from Sean Livingston and Quinn Cook. And remember, Pell's fan, Sean Livingston was not out on the court the last time uh, we faced these guys, and his length is going to be a big problem for Etwan Moore and Ian Clark and Drew Holiday. He stands somewhere around six foot seven, so he's going to back these guys into the post. And if he doesn't get the shot that he wants, he's going to find somebody cutting And He is definitely going to be a problem for a Pelicans bench that contributed something like 12 points out of their 129 tonight. Darius Miller and Solomon Hill and Ian Clark have not been playing the brand of basketball that we need from them right now. But hopefully hopefully... hopefully going into the series, they can, they can find new life. Daniel Hardy, you can follow him at original GBK. Uh, Why don't you give us a prediction? Uh, Obviously we don't know the status of these guys. We don't know who's going to be playing, what's going to be happening, when the series is going to be starting. But with that being said, just, just take a leap and give us something.
4: Pelicans have been playing phenomenal. Um, It's going to be an entertaining series. They're going to test us. Um, but ultimately, I think the Warriors are going to force their um, their side players other than Drew and Anthony Davis to beat us. And I think it's going to be very difficult uh, for guys like Rondo. Now, Miritich, Miritich, I believe in. We're not leaving Miritich in we swear that. Uh, last time you told me that he's going to shave his beard and go off, you told me the truth, Preston. That guy's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> um, but as far as my serious prediction, I think that ultimately it's going to be Warriors in five. And basically, I think the Warriors' depth, and their shot makers are going to separate in ways that other teams in the league, except for maybe Houston, can't do. But eventually, there's going to be times when you play perfect defense and Kevin Durant buries a 33-footer and then Clay does it back-to-back and then the game just changes like that. I just don't know if the Pelicans can answer. But my goodness, it's going to be a great game.
0: Well, we counted the Pelicans out of this series, or a lot of people did, and look where they are four zero champs of round one. Here they go into round two against a Golden State Warriors team that will probably be facing them sometime around next weekend. We are very much looking forward to it. Thank you so much to our guests, Luis Corzo at Pelicans Reddit and Daniel Hardy at Original GBK, and of course follow our friends over at Unstoppable Baby as well as GoldenStateOfMind.com. dot com. Make sure you go over that if you want to be the smartest, most educated fan that you can be. Uh, uh, that's a good place to start in in terms of uh, getting pumped up for this series. I'm your host, Preston. Else, thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with Ali and Kevin, and we'll probably give Daniel a call later in the week, and we might even uh, have a couple of local media types on, on our podcast as well this week. For now, uh, congratulations to everybody who slotted, slugged it out with this team. I know that it's been a rough and rocky and exciting year uh, going into it with no – no benefit of the doubt given to Alvin Gentry and Del Dems, uh, by us included, by everyone included across the national landscape. Demarcus Cousins uh, going down with a ruptured Achilles just as it was all coming together. Five games and six nights. It's been a roller coaster, Luis. And uh, now we get to reap the benefits. So, congratulations to you guys, Pelicans diehards, for being here, for listening to this podcast, for for doing it big. And now now comes the fun part. Now we get to welcome the defending champs into New Orleans at some point in the next two weeks. So very much looking forward to it. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go, pals. hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on otg and nothing but nut here on dash radio if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today hi it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group mad harmony but you will bounce back I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this
1: year! Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However... When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.